morning, we're very thankful uh, to have Bill and Sally uh, with Lefley here today. I learned earlier today that he was senior pastor, not only at Grable, which he just retired from back in, in the spring, but he was also senior pastor for seven years out at West Missionary and uh, has been other places as well, been in ministry 35 years. We are so excited. This would be uh, Perry's, uh, Lefley's mom and dad. Just so thankful to have him here today. Would you please welcome Bill Lefley? Thank you, Mike. Appreciate, appreciate the uh, uh, introduction and the worship this morning. Thank you so much. It is a privilege for us to be here. We have indeed about 35 years been serving the missionary church, serving the mission of Christ uh, through the ministry of the missionary church. It's been a great privilege and honor to do that. And, and it's an honor for us to be here this morning and to have this opportunity to share God's word with you. So if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1, one of the wonderful stories of the Old Testament. Do you know what season we've just come through? Summer? The season we've just come through is detour season. That's the season that we've just come through. Detours, road construction, uh, the season of endless delays, I live in northern Allen County, and it seems that uh, <clears throat> in northeast Allen County, every single road I drive on has been detoured at some point during this past summer. Uh, it reminds me of something that happened to uh, Sally and I a number of years ago. We were uh, on a warm summer afternoon. We were uh, driving in the Appalachian Mountains just outside of Roanoke, Virginia. We were there looking for the uh, small town of Boonsmill, Virginia, where her grandmother uh, was born. Uh, it sets just off the Blue Ridge Parkway. Beautiful, beautiful country. Well, that day we had fallen victim to a combination of factors, one of which was uh, uh, road construction detours. Uh, another was uh, a mismarked highway map. For those of you under 40, they used to have these things called maps, you get them at gas stations. Uh, they're kind of like your GPS, except they're on paper. And you'd unfold them, and you could kind of figure out where you were going. Well, they weren't just like your GPS. They weren't always accurate. And we had one that had a mismarked road on it. And then there was this guy in a gas station that I would later learn had no idea where he was, let alone where I wanted to <laughs> go. <clears throat> we were actually only about two miles from our destination, but we ended up driving 20 miles out of the way. to get. When we got there and I realized what had happened, I was so mad I couldn't enjoy being in Boonsville, Virginia. Detours can be frustrating. They can be frustrating. Now, we've all encountered detours in life. Unwanted excursions down life's back roads, they happen. Sometimes we can avoid them. Sometimes we can't. Sometimes we cause them. Sometimes we don't. Detours can take on many forms in our lives. Jobs, relationships, sickness, circumstances, unexpected crisis, habits, mistakes, bad decisions. Things that, that get us off 
the path that God has placed us on. The question is this. When we find ourselves on one of life's detours, what do we do? How do we, how do we handle it? How do we get off the detour? Well, let's begin with a definition. What exactly is a detour? I looked it up in the dictionary. A detour is a deviation from a direct route or course of action to go or cause to go in a roundabout way. See, God has placed us on a path in life, a place, a direction He wants us to go. And whenever we get off of that path, we are on a detour. Now, when we're talking about summer drives, detours are a little more than frustrating inconveniences. But when we're talking about our lives, detours are a much more serious challenge. Deuteronomy chapter 1 is a sermon by Moses about a detour. Moses is standing with the people of Israel in the desert east of the Jordan River. Joshua is about to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. Moses is about to turn the reins over to Joshua. And in this sermon in Deuteronomy 1, Moses recounts their history from the time of the Exodus to the point where they entered the wilderness and not the promised land. As they are about to have a second chance at going into the promised land, he reminds them of what their ancestors did with the first chance. So, let's look at the beginning of this sermon, Deuteronomy 1, <clears throat> beginning with verse 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan, that is, in the Arabah, opposite surf between Paran and Topil, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizabah. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. There it was, right there. Did you see it? The detour? It's right there. In verse 2, they were an 11-day journey from entering the promised land. An 11-day journey down a marked road, the Mount Sayer road. In verse 3, it's 40 years later, and they still aren't in the promised land. What happened? What caused this detour? That's the subject of Moses' sermon. What caused this detour? The point I want to make this morning is this. Be very careful about getting stuck on life's detours. Be very careful. This passage provides us with some important lessons about staying off of life's unavoidable detours. Lesson number one, some detours in life are unnecessary. This was an unnecessary detour. Two reasons that it was unnecessary. First of all, they knew what God's will was. Look at verse 6. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, where they were, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance to the hill country of the Amorites. Go to the 
go into the promised land. That, that's on the doorstep of Kadesh Barnea. Uh, they were at Horam. They were to go to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was the doorstep into the promised land. Verse 8, see, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them, and that's all the way down to us. God's will was for them to go, <clears throat> to take possession of the land, to stay on the path that he had placed them on. He promised that he would help them. He made his will very clear to them. God's will wasn't that they take a detour. His will was they follow him. And so this detour could not have been caused by a lack of knowing God's will. They knew what God's will was. God had made his will perfectly clear. Go in and take possession of the land. And that even though they knew what his will was, they did not do it. We assume that if people know what God's will is, they will do it. And that's not necessarily so. These people didn't. There is a difference between knowing and doing. There's a second reason that this detour was unnecessary. They had all of the information that they needed. Look at verse 21. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and to bring back a report about the route we are to take to the towns we will come to. Verse 25, they brought down to us the, and, and reported it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. They decided that they would add to God's plan. God had already told them the route that they were to go, the Mount Sarah Road, remember? He already said that's the road that you take into the promised land. You see, the spy plan wasn't their plan. It wasn't God's plan. It was their plan. It was their plan. So they sent this team of spies in. They did this reconnaissance mission. They came back and said, well, the, the land is just exactly like the Lord said. And yet again, this would not be enough. Doubt and unbelief would creep in and rob them. This detour could not have been caused by a lack of information. They had, they had information about the promised land running out of their ears. See, we often assume that if if we give people enough information about the Christian life, they'll be willing to live it. And that's just not necessarily so. That's just not so. There's a difference between knowing and doing. <clears throat> As God's people stood at the threshold of the promised land the first time, they knew God's will. They had all the information they needed and yet they turned this 11-day journey into a 40-year ordeal. Brings us to the second lesson. 
Unnecessary detours are often self-imposed. Look at verse 26. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the commands that the Lord your, of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. Remember, the, the report went sour as the majority of the spies said uh, they're giants in that land up there. Verse 29, then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt. Remember, these are the people that had walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They still had sand between their toes from the bottom of the Red Sea when this happened. Before your very eyes, verse 31, and in the desert, verse 32, in spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God. Verse 34, and when the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, not a man of this evil generation uh, shall see the good land that I swore to give to your forefathers. There are six behaviors in this passage that clearly indicate that this detour was self-imposed. Verse 26, they were unwilling to follow the Lord. Verse 26, they rebelled against the commands of the Lord. We're not going to do it. Verse 27, they grumbled about their condition. Uh, they had an attitude problem. Uh, verse 27, they blamed God. God hates us. He brought us out here to die. If God wanted him dead, he had left him in Egypt. He brought them out there to save them. Verse 28, they blamed the loss of heart on their brothers. Well, they brought down this report and they scared us. Verse 32, they would not trust the Lord. They would not trust the Lord. They would not, in spite of what he had done, they would not trust him. These are the behaviors that put them on this detour. This is what turned an 11-day journey into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. This detour wasn't caused by road construction or weather conditions or mismarked maps. It wasn't caused by anything outside of these people. It was caused by what was inside of them, their own behavior. They would not listen to God. They refused to follow him. In spite of all that he had done for them, they were not willing to trust him. We won't take your road, God. We'll go on our own road. These behaviors are commonly seen among those who spend their lives on detours. So how could this self-imposed detour have been avoided? Well, there were two examples right in front of them, two of the spies that had been chosen. Look at verse 35. Not a man of this evil generation shall see the land I swore to give your forefathers, verse 36, except Caleb. Except Caleb. The end of verse 36 is says, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Verse 37, because of you, the Lord, Moses speaking of himself here, because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, you shall not enter it either, but your assistant Joshua 
will enter it. Encourage him. It says later in the verse, encourage him because he will lead Israel to inherit it. The example of Caleb was to follow God wholeheartedly. It's referring to what Jesus, that idea of wholeheartedly following God, it's referring to what Jesus uh, called the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Caleb would have known it as the Shema. It comes from Deuteronomy 6, the first six verses. It begins like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jews repeated that commandment as a prayer every morning. The first thing out of their mouths every morning was this commandment. Shema Israel Adonai Eluhinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's the last prayer they said at the end of the day. It's the prayer they prayed when they encountered problems, challenges, difficulties, trials in life. They prayed this prayer. When they dedicated a child, they prayed this prayer. Shema Israel Adonai Elohino Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When they buried a loved one, they prayed this prayer. Let us be people who wholeheartedly follow God. The word Shema, the first word of the great commandment, is the word here. Listen. Caleb was listening to God. They were not. The second example is that of Joshua, verse 38. He was uh, <clears throat> Moses' assistant, and he was available to serve God. He had made himself available. Did you know that when Moses went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. It was Joshua who accompanied him. He was there. Remember the battle with the Amalekites? Moses is up on top of the mountain. As long as he holds his arms up, the Israel's winning the battle. As soon as his arms start to drop, they start losing. You know who, who was down on the field leading the battle? It was Joshua. It was Joshua. Follow God wholeheartedly. Listen to what he says. Be available to serve him. You mean that's it? Just, just follow God wholeheartedly? Just be available to serve him? Just listen to what he says and do it? That's it? Yeah. That's it. Well, that, that sounds too simple. Well, the question isn't how simple it is. The question is, are we doing it? That's the question. See, sometimes the detours that we find ourselves on are self-imposed. We're simply not listening to God or doing what he says. We've justified in our own minds why we don't need to listen to him or obey him. And we can't blame anybody else. And that brings us to the third lesson. Self-imposed detours can be very costly. It's a sad verse, verse 40, Deuteronomy 1. Look at what it says. Look at what God said to them, verse 40. But as for you, turn around and set out toward the desert along the route 
to the Red Sea. God said, all right, go back where you came from. You want to go back to Egypt? They were crying out, God's brought us out here, so we'll die. We'd be better off if we stayed in Egypt. God said, okay, go back to Egypt. Another generation of God's people will die on a detour. They were no longer slaves in Egypt, but they may as well have been. Another God-given opportunity will be missed, will be wasted. It was unnecessary. They did it to themselves, and now they would pay the price for it. If you think the cost of doing what is right is too high, it's because you haven't calculated the cost of doing what's wrong. This detour cost the loss of a battle that they could have won. There's an amazing turn of events that happened. Look at verse 41. Then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as the Lord has commanded us. Oh, God, you're serious. You meant what you said? Oh, oh, well, okay. We'll do it now. So every one of you put on his weapon thinking it easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go up and fight because I will not be with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. So I told you, but you would not listen. Do, Do you hear a theme developing here? You're not listening. God is speaking. Are we listening? You would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's commands. And in your arrogance, you marched into the hill country. The Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you, and they chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Hormah. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. There was no reason for this battle to be lost. If they had fought it when God said, where God said, how God said, they would have won. But they decided that they would fight on their own terms with their own weapons. Instead of listening to God and following him, they thought it would be easy to go into the land on their own terms. It was a serious mistake. And they took a real whooping because of it. My friends, getting stuck on a detour is a serious and often costly matter in life. We can't afford the price of unnecessary, self-imposed, costly detours in life. There is a difference between knowing something, and doing it. This is what it cost to live in the wilderness. The word wilderness in Hebrew is the word midbar. It's a compound word. The second part of the word, debar, is the Hebrew word word. The first part of the word, the preposition, is meh. In Hebrew, when you put meh on the front of a word, you negate the meaning of the word. It's like when we put L-E-S-S on the end of a word. 
something is useless or worthless, it negates the meaning of it. So, the wilderness is the wordless place. It's the place where the word is not believed, where the word is not listened to, where it does not work because it is not followed. It's possible to live a wordless life stuck on a wilderness detour. But you don't want to do that. You really don't want to do that. My friend, don't settle for the dryness of the desert. Don't spend your life on a wilderness detour. There is a way in life that flows with milk and honey, and it is filled with the riches of God's goodness and blessings. And you can find it, and you can follow it. Here are two ways to get off of the detour. Follow the Lord wholeheartedly. That's what Caleb did. It's living out the Shema, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's saying, Lord, I'm all yours and I'm all in. And second, listen to God's word and do what it says. That's Joshua's example. Here I am, Lord. I'm available to serve you wherever you want, whenever you want. I'm willing to listen, to obey, and to follow. You can count on me, God. I'm all in. And remember, there is a big difference between knowing something and doing it. So, what will you do with what the Spirit has said to you today. Amen.